Okay, guys, I don't know about you, but I hate commercials and I don't want to add them to this program. Problem is, I need more patron support in order to avoid it. So if you want The Suzanne Banker Show to remain commercial free, please take a hot second to pause this program and go to SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast and scroll down until you see the orange button that says become a Patreon subscriber. When you do that, you'll see three economical tiers from which to choose. And when you sign up, you get goodies such as an early release of this program and free eBooks. Also for the next 24 hours only, I'm giving a 100% free digital copy of my brand new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched to the first 10 people who sign up at the $20 level. Again, that's SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast. Don't wait, because if you're anything like me, you'll intend to do it and then it'll get lost in the shuffle. So pretty please do it now before you forget. It's easy to hit pause. And when you come back, I'll still be here and you won't have missed a thing. That's SuzanneBanker.com slash podcast. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So today I'm going to talk about the costs associated with women not being intentional about their relationships in their 20s. This is really the reason I wrote How to Get Hitched in the first place. You know, it's funny. Lately, I find myself running into parents who have college-age kids, as I do, and I tell them about how to get hitched, but then I always feel the need to qualify it when I'm speaking to them because they're likely wondering why their college-age daughter needs a book on marriage. But that's just it. How to Get Hitched is actually less about marriage and more about how to build a life that works and that includes marriage and family. And this is important because the culture and often even parents are not fortifying their kids with the information they need to make smart decisions about their future because they're so encouraged, uh, or I should say exclusively encouraged in the education and career realm. There's just not any conversation about how to build a relationship that lasts, how to vet partners, how to, how to date. I mean, for God's sakes, dating is a complete nightmare. That's, again, another thesis of the book, obviously, is that that's where we are. And there are no rules, no guidelines at all for young people, and they're dying for them. They want them. I see these people. I talk with them. I know that they're looking for something and nobody wants to tell them or just nobody is telling them. So many of you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a relationship coach, marriage and relationship coach, and the 30 and 40 somethings that, who are my clients today, currently, are paying a steep price, most of them, professionally, romantically, economically, and even reproductively for having a lack of vision in their 20s. And my argument is that it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's culture and parents or the older set who are passing on messages, whether it's through the news media, whether it's in um, film or television, or whether it's just simply what we tell our kids in our own homes privately when we're, when we're raising kids. 
It's our job to help them figure out how to get it right, especially if we got it wrong. Um, rather than just clam up and think or say, oh, well, you know, the kids, they're so different these days. It's a whole new world. I don't know what to say or tell them. I mean, that, that's just not helpful. And so the number one comment that I get from, lead, from listeners and readers is, why didn't someone tell me this stuff sooner? My favorite comment recently, it was written in an email, where the hell were you when I was in my 20s? And so, I mean, you have to understand, my being on the receiving end of this stuff and the coaching over and over is very frustrating. It makes me want to pull people's hair out, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, somebody's got to take the blame for why this whole cultural, this why this cultural shift has taken place and why we are not doing our job in helping people not get to the place where they need to call me 10 or 15 years in because their lives aren't working and their marriages aren't working and they made all the wrong choices in their 20s. So, and, and here's the thing, I'm not talking about some, this isn't some pie in the sky idea about how to make a perfect life for yourself, right? So that nothing bad ever happens or that you'll never have any regret. That's just not realistic. It's about simply providing people, women in particular, because this book is for women, with facts that they're not getting elsewhere so they can at the very least know what they're dealing with as opposed to being shocked later on because no one had the courage to tell them hard things like about their fertility for example that's a big one but we'll come back to that in 1913 clinical psychologist meg jay wrote a book called the defining decade there's a bit of overlap there in, in her book and mine actually although hers is specifically uh you know, talking about the 20 something years. And she wrote a couple of pretty provocative statements in there, really heavy duty. In fact, if you look her book up as well, um, you'll find a lot of comments uh, since that book has been out. Um, but she wrote in there, quote, 80% of life's most defining moments take place by age 30. Let me say that again. 80% of life's most defining moments take place by age 30. So you think about, and you think about your own life, if you're past 30, which many of you are, um, it makes sense, right? Every decision that we make leads to another one. And the biggest things about, you know, getting a college degree, if, if we go to college, um, what career we're going to study and who we're going to end up with all typically happen in our 20s. Even if they end up getting derailed, that's, that's you know, any of those choices, they still begin there. So this idea that women, or just people in general, again, but women can just have fun until real life sets in or worry about finding a life partner later, which is the status quo in America right now. I mean, that's pretty much what par even parents tell their kids. It's like, just don't worry about settling down, do that later. You know, play the field, go have fun, go travel, go see the world, go find yourself. You know, that that sounds great, um, but it's really foolish, actually. Because another statement that Meg J makes in that book is this. Doing something later isn't necessarily the same thing as doing something better. That's why I think it's very irresponsible to tell young people that their 20s are a time to just, you know, goof off essentially um, and not, not take life so seriously or what have you. 
especially that whole concept of finding yourself. That really bugs me. And I have a whole chapter in the book that's devoted to that. In fact, it, it specifically tells people that you don't need to find yourself. You need to get over yourself. <laughs> so it's, it's a very different um, take, as you might expect. This book is extremely countercultural. Everything you expect to hear, it's basically telling, uh, claiming the opposite. Um, this idea of finding oneself, you know, it, it takes decades to find out who we really are. I sometimes feel like in my 50s, I'm still really just now getting it. And if, and if we use that sort of, um, you know, fluffy uh, new age thought process of finding oneself, if we took that seriously, I mean, we'd never get married at all. We, we just completely pass up our, our childbearing years trying to uh, find ourselves and then with the hope that someone's just going to be sitting there waiting on the other end um, when we're done and we're ready. And it, it just doesn't work that way. Your 20s, they're just not they're not the time when you find your real self and then all of a sudden this perfect mate comes along on your timetable. The 20s are actually the time to lay valuable foundations for the rest of your life. You know, and, and like I said, every decision leads to another one, which is, which is not to say you can't screw up. I certainly did. I think most people will screw up in their 20s. It's not to have this perfect life, but you can only work your way out of that detour, out of that mess, out of whatever those screw ups are, if you have a plan and you're intentional and you know where you're going and what you want, which is really the underlying message of how to get hitched. Whom we marry and how that marriage fares has the single greatest effect on our happiness and well-being than anything else we do. It is significantly, therefore, more important than where we go to school or what career we choose. That's why parents need to stop telling their kids to put all their eggs in their career basket. And this is especially true for women since they have a shorter time frame in which to get their lives in order. Parents are too scared to say this because they, they don't want to say this because it's not PC. But if you don't say anything as the parent, then you can't really complain later when, when your kids' romantic lives aren't working out. And again, I'm not suggesting that because you've passed on this information that they're going to follow all of your advice. It's not really about that. You know, it's not my job as to whether or not my kids, my kids are going to do what my kids are going to do, but it's up to me to pass on what I know and to give them some guidelines to work with. Otherwise they're just sort of flailing about in the wind. The single greatest guidance parents can give, in my opinion, isn't going to college and getting a great career and making a lot of money, which, which is, the, which is kind of the norm today. The single greatest guidance parents can give revolves around relationships, but this conversation isn't happening. So kids are forced to create. And when I say kids, I mean, basically up to the age of 18, when you have them, you know, in your home before they leave. I mean, and even afterward in college, it's, you want to be there for them for sure, but you definitely want to get this through up by the time they leave because they're, you know, captive audience. As a result, kids are forced to create their own impressions on what constitute, constitutes happiness. And they wind up listening to messages from their peers and their teachers and the culture, which of course, as you all know, promotes achievement and materialism above all else. That's why the very first chapter in How to Get Hitched is called Live an Examined Life. Because the unexamined life is a life that other people have designed for you. They tell you what to think and do. And if you go along with that without thinking about whether or not it matches what you want, you're going to regret it. 
If we want our kids to grow up to be happy, fulfilled adults, we have to tell them the truth. For example, and hold on to your hat here because this is going to sound positively heretical, it's okay to make career decisions based on a relationship that's clearly marriage material. It's okay to make a career decision based on a relationship that's marriage material. That doesn't make you weak or stupid. It makes you smart. It means that you know deep down nothing is going to affect your life more than getting this decision about who to marry right. So many people in their 20s are frozen in their relationships thinking they can't move forward because they're making decisions based on their career and, and they'll pass up perfectly good viable spousal options because their priorities are, are, are misplaced in my opinion, but the priority is on, on the career. And they think that if they pass up the person that there's going to be another one that comes along on their own timetable and it just rarely works out that way. And that doesn't mean you have to get married at that moment, depending on how old you are. This isn't an argument necessarily for getting married in your 20s, although I do think it's better in your, to get married in your 20s and your 30s. I do. But that's not really what the argument is. The argument is simply to prioritize what it is that you ultimately want. So that leads me to one of the major factors that I want to talk about today. With all of this in mind, what are some of the things you need to know or to think about when you're mapping out a life? The first and most obvious, it should seems obvious, but I don't know that people really think about it in this way or are encouraged to. It sounds actually kind of simple, too simple. But what do you want? What do you want? What kind of life are you envisioning for yourself? What do you want it to look like? Think 10 years out. What do you what do you see yourself doing? Where are you living? What does your daily life look like? What does it revolve around? And naturally, this is going to get into a lot of details, such as how many children do you want? Do you want to work or not work? If you do, what is that going to look like and how is it going to fit in with the number of children you want? That then leads into, okay, what kind of partner do I need to make this happen? And there are some, there are some factors there that when you get it down based on what you want, what you know you must have to get there, you can weed out and not waste time dating people or being in relationships with people who are, for whom it's going nowhere. You don't have time to waste years to spend time determining whether or not this person is going to be a match. You, you can pretty much, there are some basic things that you can determine right up front. It doesn't take years to weed them all out and you don't have years. I mean, honestly, nobody has years, but certainly women don't. So that's really the first question I always ask is, what do you want? It's when you know that answer, it's much easier to then get the details down after that. But if you don't know what you're wanting, you're just, you know, flailing about in the wind and just waiting to see what happens, then you're, those are the people who end up calling me 10 years down the road because they were not intentional. They were not mindful. They were not purposeful. They did not think they just lived. 
and wasted an entire decade. The parental pressure in particular to think about marriage later and to become you know, career obsessed and in some cases this high, you know, really high achiever is just an unhelpful message. And it, and it often stems from parents' own regrets about how they did things. So if you're a child of somebody who's getting that message from their parents, you have to put it in context. You have to understand why they're um, steering you in that direction because their story doesn't have to be your story. It's just theirs. So when a person gives you advice when it comes to love or money or career, whether it's a parent or anyone else, don't just take it carte blanche. You know, think, does this person have the life you want? Has she or he been successful in a way that you want to be? And again, that's so much about what How to Get Hitched is about. It's not luring anybody into a life they don't want. It's presenting one that you're not ever considered, you're not even allowed to consider. This is all about what it is you want. The other aspect of that pressure that, that, that people get to, to worry about marriage, you know, later, later, and just career, career, career. Um, what are you supposed to do in the meantime regarding love and sex? I mean, you're, you're an adult person in your 20s, and you're going to have relationships. You're not going to, like, be celibate for 10 years and then all of a sudden find someone. So what ends up happening is you end up moving in and out of countless seriously romantic sexual relationships, sometimes even living with people for whom it does not work out. And, and this has a dramatic effect on your ability to bond for life. We aren't meant to move in and out of countless long-term sexual romantic relationships until we all of a sudden find one and then it all goes great from there. It, it just doesn't work out that way. And because no one's sharing that with, with women, they make a lot of assumptions. And we're gonna come back to that in just one minute. I wanna say one other thing that is um, a factor a factor in their 20s that is new before I get to what I just said. And that is that um, we have a massive, massive student debt problem today that didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. And this is because we are encouraging young people to go into debt to get a degree with the assumption being that they can always pay it off later. And of course, we're seeing now that that's not at all what has happened. And we can't overlook this phenomenon as, and how this plays into this problem that young people are having in their 20s of postponing marriage and all the rest. Because, you'll, you know, in fact, if you do this, if you do the research on it, you'll find that the number one thing that certainly millennials will say, and I suspect Generation Z will as well, is that they can't, quote unquote, afford to get married. And again, that goes back to every decision we make creates another one or moves to another one or builds on another one. So that was a poor decision. If you can't afford college, don't go or go to a state school where you can't afford it. There are other options than what the culture teaches. And that's, that's really what this is about. If you don't want to set up, and again, that goes back to what do you want? What do you want your life to look like? Don't just follow along what everybody's doing and then get stuck later on. You don't have to do that. There is a way 
to create um, a life that allows you to have balance. There's a way to create a life that allows you to get married and have kids. There's a way to not be in debt, but you have to specifically not do what everyone else around you appears to be doing. And that's where it gets difficult. So the student debt and those decisions about um, finances and money are, are huge. And that that's like a whole nother separate um, episode. But at any rate, that's um, another way to understand that those decisions that you're making regarding money and school in your 20s feeds into this other larger decision about marriage and, and work and all the rest. Okay, and the most significant piece of this conversation is the fact that women, while, while the message about not wasting your 20s is definitely a good one for both sexes, the reality is women have a different set of circumstances than men do. And nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this. There are three main areas, sex, fertility, and sexual marketability. Men and women are not equal in any way, shape, or form in these domains. Women's response to sex versus men's, and I'm going to have to do a whole, I know I just said that about the other one, but now that's the same as with this one. We have to do a whole other episode on that because that's a big topic. Women have been convinced that their sexual desires and needs are no different from men's and that there's no difference between a man's reaction to sex, especially casual sex, but just sex in general, and a woman's. And that is a, a massive lie, just a massive lie. And they don't know that. And so they're, they're going out today on college campuses, many of them literally having sex the way supposedly men are um, capable of doing and do do or what have you. That's the message that they get and, and having a completely different response to it and not understanding why they cannot function in the same way that a man can. So that, that goes back again to, um, if you're, if you're not thinking about marriage until your thirties, what are you going to do as a woman sexually? You're going to end up either pretending that you can have sex casually. That's no big deal. Or you're going to end up falling in love again and again and again and falling in, I should say, and getting your heart broken. And each time you do that, you're making it more difficult for yourself to bond with someone in the end. That is not the case for men. It's just not. But like I said, that's a whole other, that's too big of a topic to, to just go through quickly. So I will come back to that in another episode. Fertility. Fertility. We have really screwed women over when it comes to this topic. The truth about fertility has been utterly squelched in the name of so-called gender equality. But there is nothing equal about the male body and the female body. Nothing. According to the Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority in the UK, nearly a quarter of the patients who sought treatments in order to become pregnant between 1991 and 2008, and the average age of the study's patients, by the way, was 35, the average, which means obviously half or younger, half or older, experienced, quote, unexplained fertility. Unexplained fertility. 
all the data as to why women couldn't conceive, these women couldn't conceive, ovarian failure, endometriosis, endometriosis, et cetera, paled in comparison to, quote, unexplained infertility, end quote. But there's nothing inexplicable about it. The reason these women can't conceive is because they waited too long. End of story. And no one wants to say this to women. They lack the courage to go against social norms, such as the idea, the bogus idea, of equality. They don't want to say that because they're not supposed to say that, because it doesn't sound right, because people will look at them funny, whatever the case may be. It is your job as a parent to tell your daughters the truth about their fertility. There is a window to conceive. And if they wait too long, they will be sorry, most of them. Obviously not 100% of the people will want, women will want to get married and have children, or they will get married and not want children or what have you, but it is the minority. And again, going back to my original most important point, what do you want? If you're dealing with somebody who doesn't want that, fine. But assuming that they do, asking them outright and finding out, that's a good place to start, then it's your job to tell them. I know I'm harping a lot on parents in this, and I didn't even mean to do that, actually. In this, in this episode, I was going to be talking about just the culture and how women themselves can um, counteract the culture by you know, having a completely different way of moving through the world and a totally different life plan, which is what How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched is all about. It is that 12-step program and that plan to counteract the, the culture. So, But I know there's a lot of parents who are listening, um, so I just... And my guess is that most of you are like me and did do these things because that's probably why you like listening to this podcast because I'm a countercultural parent. I'm a countercultural person. I, we don't do things. We're weird here, right? We, we, um, we're, we're, we, we enjoy being weird. We think it's great to be weird and different because that's what works. Being, going, through, going according to the culture is typically how people fail, at least today. Maybe not 50 years ago, but that's that's the way it has come to be today. So um, sorry if I'm har harping too much on the parenting aspect of this, but needless to say, I'm feeling really strongly about this because I keep running into parents. That's how I opened this whole show by saying I'm, I'm, I want to tell them about the book. But I think that because the title, they're thinking, well, I don't want my daughter to get married. You're trying to marry my daughter off. And no, I'm not. I, that's not what this book is. So I just want to be really clear about that. I have that fresh on my mind. Okay, and the last aspect of this that I wanna mention, again, very not PC to talk about, but nevertheless true, is that men can afford to wait and women can't. Not just because of what I just said regarding fertility, not just because of that, although that's obviously the main reason, the overarching one but also because women have their greatest marital bargaining power in their 20s. That's when their attractiveness is at its peak. Attractiveness to men is at its peak. It is the opposite for men who become more eligible with age. Obviously, so, I mean, you guys probably know this, but you know, I'll just spell it out again for if there's somebody that you wanna pass this on to that they can hear it hear it be said, since we so rarely do hear it. When men 
become more established in their career, they become more eligible for marriage for obvious reasons. Men provide and protect, and regardless of the fact that women now take care of themselves and provide for themselves in general, the reality is when they become mothers, they don't want to be their own providers. At that stage of life, they are still going to look for a man on whom they can depend to bring home the bacon. At least for X amount, well, for a lifetime, obviously, but also to give you the flexibility of having um, the option to stay home for X amount number of years when you have a baby. So that's still at play, even though society has changed. Human nature hasn't changed. Biology hasn't changed. So that's still a thing. Since men aren't looking for a woman on whom they can depend, you're not, as a woman, becoming more eligible because you're rich when you're 33 or 34 or whatever, or older. That, that's not, that doesn't make you more attractive to a man. So we're not equal in that regard. Men are also not the ones who get pregnant or give birth, so they can afford to put marriage off, right? By the time you're in your 30s, if you're a woman, you have to compete with younger and more beautiful and more fertile women. That's just the reality of it. And a man will easily marry a younger woman way before a man, excuse me, way before a woman will marry a younger man. Ah, so these are just some of the things that people, women in particular, need to be thinking about, need to be encouraged to think about, and need to deal with if they're going to map out a life that includes marriage and family and that will allow them to have a balanced life, which is what most women want. And in order to do that, we've got to start talking to them differently now when they're young. It isn't too young. Anybody 18 plus should really be reading this book and absorbing its information for that very reason. It's not about getting married when you read it. It's about planning in advance for it and understanding that having a good marriage, a strong marriage, making it, having a strong match and creating a life that works begins long before you ever say I do. That's pretty much the message of how to get hitched and stay hitched. Yeah, so that's it for today. Until next week, um, happy reading. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to go to SuzanneBenker.com slash podcast and click on Become a Patreon Subscriber, where you get early access to the shows as well as other perks. This is what allows me to continue to bring you quality content commercial free. That is my number one goal because you know what? Commercials suck. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.